Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. I am really excited for today's podcast because I have a friend of mine here. This is Richard Miller. Hello, everybody. Hi, Richard. I'm glad you're here. Um, First off, this is September, which is, what's September? Uh, Recovery month. Yeah, this is National Recovery Month. And I just printed something out only because I would have forgot this. This is the 31st year for Recovery Month. And what September celebrates is just, man, recovery happens. People recover. And, you know, I think in our county right now, We've had all this news about overdoses, overdose deaths. Statistics are really high. I say this every week right now. We had a 283, 84% increase in overdose deaths. So that takes our breath away. But we need people to know recovery happens. It does. It really does. Um, You know, I I know of three people just in the last month and a half that have passed away. Um, And, and you, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. It truly doesn't because recovery is possible. I mean, you know, I'm living proof and I know many other people that are living proof that, you know, it's it's hard in the beginning, but, you know, it gets easier. It truly does. Well, with that, we're going to start with Richard. Um, Rich is going to tell you his story, who he is. Um, it's it's not always been an easy road, and I, and I know it's not easy at this point, but um, how many months you got right now? Uh, Fifteen. 15 months at this point. Awesome. Congrats. Thank you. And Richard, would you mind just kind of sharing with people kind of your story? Yeah, I can, I can do that. I mean, um, I grew up up by Detroit, Michigan. Uh, there were seven kids in the house at the time. Uh, little statistics. I got 17 brothers and sisters all together. Wow. Uh, yeah. My dad, y'all get that 17 brothers and sisters. Yeah, my dad was married 13 times. Um, so there was, we, we grew up in a, in a dysfunctional home. Uh, there was a lot of alcohol abuse, um, a lot of violence. Uh, it was commonplace for the police to be at the house, uh, commonplace for us to have drinks of beer, shots of whiskey at, at a very, at very young age, five, I was drinking beer. So, I mean, at a very young age, they were giving us alcohol, usually just to put us to sleep so they could go and do what they needed to do. Um, so it's... There was a lot of abuse that went on in the household. There was, there was, you know, the the alcohol and the drugs were just part of it. I mean, there was just okay. there, the dynamics were just insane. Um, there was a lot of physical abuse, a lot of sexual abuse, um, a lot of mental abuse, um, and you know, I don't I don't believe that anybody intentionally set out to do those things, but they happened, and and it pretty much set the course of my life. I mean, it it, it damaged me enough, and I had had enough trauma that by the time I was old enough to realize what was going on, I'd already experienced a way to numb those feelings and block that pain. So at what age do you think you were using alcohol or substances to numb what was going on or to self-medicate? Or- 12 years oh. old, I was using on a daily basis. I was smoking marijuana, uh, eating prescription pills, volume, speed, whatever I could get my hands on, basically, uh, drinking all the time. 
And I know alcohol in particular. I, it's one of my, that's my, my drug, drug of choice. choice is alcohol. Okay. And you're also, and I'm just going to say this, you're from a Native American descent, which yes. might have some genetic factors. There's definitely some genetic factors in there. I'll give you a statistic. There's 17 of us in the family. Out of the 17, there's one that's never used. Okay. Do you all get that? One. Out of 17, one. Um, did not struggle three of us are currently in recovery that's so awesome so yeah i gotta imagine that it's such a sweet time (laughs) you know i get to go to church on sunday when i'm up in michigan taking care of mom and my brother's the pastor and it's like we used to you know we used to party together we used to go hard so i just gotta say because richard is a friend i just got chills i seriously i got chills on my arms right now because i know your story and i know that abuse that happened in that home and and I also know that faith has been pretty integral to your recovery. So the th- very thought that yeah, you're with your brothers and it's crazy. That's cool. <laughs> Super fun. Yeah, it's it's. Um, I like the church that he has. It's it's uh, about ninety percent of the population of the church is uh, people in recovery. Neat. Um, and it, it's just an amazing experience, you know. Um, so anyway, yeah. Um, we'll get back to my story. Okay. Um, about the age of 14, I had been breaking into some houses, getting in some legal issues, um, and I had went out and stole a car. Uh, we smashed through a police barricade at like 120 miles an hour. Nobody was wearing a seatbelt. We were all drunk. Um, we were on the news. That's how my parents found out where I was. And at that point, they had decided there's just so many kids in the house, and my behavior was to the point where they could not handle me anymore. Um, and didn't want to be responsible or liable to damages that I was doing, uh, that they emancipated me. And the very next day, they threw me out of the house, no clothes, no money, no nothing, just said go. At what age? 14. 14. You know, I, that was very, that, that was some pretty heavy stuff for me. Um, I felt like I'd just been thrown away like a piece of trash. I didn't feel that anybody loved me anymore, and it, it set a course in my life of, of nothing but destruction. I can't imagine. You know, I, I just, I wanted to die and, and I didn't want to be alive. I didn't like the way I felt. I didn't like who I was. Um, self-esteem was completely out the door. So what'd you do with that? Where'd you live? I went down on the streets and, you know, I ended up uh, running into a friend of mine from school that night. Um, and that was the first night that I injected heroin and cocaine mixed together as a speedball. Um, and how I got that money was I sold myself. Uh, I did that for a long time. It supported my habit. And I can't even imagine. It's like reliving the abuse over and over and over and over again. So it was, it was you know, like I said. I, I know I, this is a <clears throat> private question, but what age did that sexual abuse happen in your home? Five. Five. It went on for several years. Okay. I couldn't give you an exact, but it went on for several years. And it wasn't just, it was a violent, um, I was violently raped on a regular basis. Yeah. I'll just put it that way. Um, you know, and so all I could do is, is try and put the drugs and the alcohol, enough drugs and alcohol in my system that I didn't, I'd, I'd be obliviated. I didn't know who I was, you know, and a lot of things happened to me out there when I was doing that stuff that, <clears throat> that it just made it worse. I, I, again, know, I, I mean, can't imagine. It, it just, it, it just kept snowballing, you know, I don't know how I missed the juvenile courts. I don't know how I missed the legal system. I have no idea. You know? So you were just pretty much off everybody's radar at this oh, point. Yeah. You're just... I was lost on the streets. Um, 
I'd go to my mother's every now and then, and uh, they'd feed me off the back porch like a dog. Um, you know, so you did have some connection with your mom? I've always, always, always stayed in touch with my mother. Yeah. Um, even though all that happened, I've never held her. You know, I, I, I blame my stepfather more than, than I did anybody no, else. Your mom didn't struggle as much with addiction, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, she did. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's been clean for, I don't know, 20 years. Okay. She quit drinking. She had a big um, opiate addiction, pain okay. pills, uh, for many, 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 many years. Okay. And, uh, now she's, <sighs> with the situation she's in, they were going to take her off the Xanax, which her doctor's been putting down her throat for many, many years. And it's like, you know what, at this point, you know, we're just going to leave things alone and, and let her be comfortable. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you're on the streets, making money yes. to support your drug habit. Selling myself to the highest bidder. Okay. Um, which, you know, it, it blew my mind at how many people are out there that would, that would swoop up a child and take advantage of them. Okay. There's a lot that goes on that people don't know about because they're not in the street. They don't see sure. what's going on. So. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so I, I spent two years with the cocaine, heroin addiction, intravenous. Um, I was in my first treatment at 16. Okay. Um, and how did you even get into treatment at that point? I don't know. I woke up out of a blackout and I was in treatment. Okay. Pretty much. Um, I don't know if I reached out. I don't. I, to this day, I don't know how I ended up there, but I did. Okay. Um, and I didn't think I had any other problems. I just thought, you know, just heroin and cocaine. If I can get off of that, everything's going to be fine. And the problem is, is I really like to drink. And then when I do, I don't stop. And, you know, so... As soon as I was out of there, I was right back at it again. <clears throat> I spent a lot of years doing that in and out of, of treatment centers. Um, so you were never getting to those root causes as well? No, no, they were never addressed. When I was 18, I had moved from Michigan to um, Virginia Beach with an older gentleman. Okay. Um, a lot of money. So I just decided to flow with that route. Um and no matter what I did or what I tried, it just wouldn't get any better. And the pain is just, it's an unbearable pain, you know. And to this day, I still, I still deal with that even after all the years of counseling that I've had. That still comes up and it comes up on a regular basis. When you talk about that pain, feeling abandoned, unwanted, Alone, what? It's just hurt, Yeah, you know. Um, I went back to college and we'll get to that later, but. So how'd you graduate from high school? I went and got my GED. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to throw that yeah, out there. I, yeah. I, I did go and get my GED. Um, almost joined the military at 18. Anyway, I was back, back to being 18. Um, I went to my, I went to my first counselor. Okay. And, and this is in Virginia Beach? No, Beach. this, this was right before okay. I went to Virginia Beach. And she said, I needed to tell my father that. Uh, I need to tell them what happened because I had never told my parents what was going on in their yeah. household. And um, so I did. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, come home and, and we'll deal with this. And, you know, and it was like, you know what, it's a little too late for that. Um, I wasn't willing to give them the opportunity to make it right. Um, that only got made right when my father was, uh, when he was passing away. Yeah. And I did that more for him than for me. Um, 
So anyway, 18, I moved to Virginia Beach, and which is a big, big, big military party town. So I fit right in. Yeah. Um, but I was so unhappy and, and so depressed and so alone and so miserable and just in so much pain that, you know, the alcohol and the drugs just weren't doing it anymore. They weren't getting rid of it. And so one night I decided, well, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Um, I had my rifle out. I had my shotgun out and I had a 38 out. Um, and I loaded up my rifle and I shot myself in the head with that rifle. Um, somehow, and, and to this day, I don't know how, and I'm going to say it's God, because after that point, things did start to change and I'll get into that. But I died four times that night. I was air flighted. I come out of this coma after a week in the hospital with tubes and everything. And my mom, my dad, my brother, and my sister standing there. And um, all I could do was cry because I couldn't talk. And I still felt the pain, except yeah. for I didn't have the alcohol and the drugs in my system to numb it. So all I could do was cry because that's just, it, that's, yeah, that's what it was. I couldn't even, you know, I simply, I couldn't even do this right, you know, and I was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. The thought of shooting yourself. There was in the head and I've got approximately probably 15 serious overdose attempts after that. The, there's, there's no reason I should be here. There really isn't. I mean, some of the stuff that I've been in, some of the wrecks I've been in, um, God has always had his hand on me always. Uh, I may not see it a lot of the time, but he's definitely there. And he puts people in, in my life that need to be there at the time yeah. they need to be there. So, you know, I, I, this went on for many, many years. Um, the cops were at my house on a regular basis, gun drawn, because I had firearms in the house and was out of my mind. Um, like I said, I don't know how I missed the legal system. I really don't. Yeah, I've heard your story before, and it's amazing. Because like, normally people are in prison by now, you yeah, know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, like I said, there's, there were things happening in my life that I had no idea were really happening. And <clears throat> so I spent another seven or eight years in Virginia Beach, and I moved to um, North Carolina, Hatteras, okay. Hatteras Island, which is my favorite place on the face of the planet. You didn't meet someone special there, did you? No. <laughs> uh, I met uh, my current wife, um, which would have been 24 years ago. Beautiful lady, by the way. She, yeah. She's she awesome. She really is, yeah. yeah. And the way I like to say it is, is that she's 11 days younger than me. I was born August 19th. She was born August 30th, both in 68. I said, God put me on the earth. And he said, oh boy, <laughs> you probably better put somebody down there to take care of him. And, and she's looked out for me a good many years. She's had a lot of reasons to walk away from me, a lot of reasons to divorce me. We've been separated twice, uh, recently separated. Yeah. Um, you know, and there was enough pain. And, and anyway, I'm, I'm getting way ahead of myself. So I moved down there. I met her. Um, we decided that we were going to run away together, uh, which has been one of the smartest things I've done in a long time. <laughs> I see you. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, she's very beautiful. She's never done drugs. She's never smoked. She's never drank. Um, and, and she's just full of love, you know? And that was, that was my blessing. That was that, that was that one That's thing. That's what you that, needed. That, yeah, it is. It truly is. I needed somebody that would love me for who I am, no matter what. Yep. You know, not, uh, with all these stipulations that come with it. Just, just love me. 
You know, I know it's hard, but it can be done. <laughs> um, and so we moved back to Michigan up up to my parents. Uh, got our own place up there, and I was doing the same thing. I, I just couldn't get it together. My 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 repeated pattern was I'd stay sober for two or three months, and I relapse. I'd stay sober for two or three months, and I'd relapse. But I was I, at, after Virginia Beach. I really started to put forth an effort and trying not to have action, active addiction going on in my life. And now, I, were you going to AA or anything no, like that at those times? No, okay. I wasn't. Um, in Virginia Beach, actually, I ended up uh, with a guy that was a pastor. He, he was like uh, part, of, part of a team down there that came to my house, um, and he talked to me extensively. And me and him started talking on a pretty regular basis, you know, and he was sharing some of his life with me and what he does as a pastor and, you know, what God could do for my life. And, you know, like I said, there's these little things that happen throughout my life that just kind of steer me sure. right into that direction. Um, so what I did is I, I relapsed and in a blackout, I went to North Carolina um, and I went down there and did a whole lot of cocaine and did a whole lot of alcohol. I don't remember anything. But I woke up in jail facing an attempted murder charge on a federal officer. Um, and I don't remember doing it to this day. I really don't. Well, I, I know you as a friend, and I know when you drink, you black out. Like, yeah. that's just part of yeah, that's, your scenario. Well, that's what you're supposed to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... No. That, well, but I mean, that's, that's the type of action sure. I am. I don't want to just get... Yeah, I don't want just You want to feel nothing. I don't want to... I'm gone. You know, and and that's the kind of use that I've always had. It's yeah. it's always been that way. I have never had one of anything. I, it's just not in my nature. I'm I'm very. You're highly, all in anything you do. Yeah. So I went down. I got woke up, attempted murder. They ended up charging me with aggravated aggravated assault on a federal officer, and I went to prison for eighteen months. Is what I ended up doing total. But there's a whole lot of paper behind that. Um, you know, and I I got a box of letters in my house that I wrote to my wife while I was in prison. And I have to get those out and read them every now and then. All the promises I made, you know, and, it's, and it took another nine years of get a six months, get a year, yeah. relapse, get a six months, get a year, relapse. Um, it's just, and the problem was, is I wasn't doing anything <clears throat> to stay sober. Yeah, fighting that on your own. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'll put down the alcohol and drugs, but get help. You know, I wasn't willing to do that yet. Um, and it wasn't until 2009. Um, we were separated for almost a year. I had screwed everything up, emptied the bank accounts, which was commonplace for me. Emptied the bank accounts, uh, wrecked cars. Um, you know, I, I, I did nothing good when I, when I used. I, it was just self-destructive and just wanted to destroy everything and usually i destroyed the people that loved me the most first um, i think that was pretty self i, I self, know I, self-conscious yeah it was, I mean, self-conscious. it was definitely that it was a, you know you can't hurt me if i hurt you first and you know that comes and i'm sure having someone love you unconditionally was really hard to accept or understand right it, it's still a struggle scary it's still a struggle it's hard for me to believe that somebody can do that and you all because been married how many years? 24. 24. Well, 23, but we've been together 24. But, you know, it, it, she's just a rock star. Yeah. You know, she really is. Um, 
but just that that unconditional love. I, everybody that ever loved me when I was younger, there was always a stipulation or something attached to that love. It was never just love. So having somebody that's willing to just love me for who I am without any ties to it is, is a completely different experience for me. I don't, you know, it, it, it's taken a long time for me to understand that. Yeah. Because that wasn't my mentality. That wasn't how I was raised, you know. Um, and and you came from generations of that. So it wasn't yeah. like your parents were trying oh, to not love you. They just, they. We can go back way, way back. I got great, great uncles that opened up fur trading posts on the uh, Grand River in, in Michigan and um, in Grand Rapids. They got a statue of him, but he was an alcoholic. Um, my grandfather died an alcoholic drug addict, you know, I mean, and I, you know, I say alcoholic drug addict and it's just, it's got such a negative feel to it when you say it, you know, they say you can say people have substance use disorders and I just say, you know, I'm struggling. Sure. You know, because it's, it's a negative thing. And, and to me, that's, that feeds into that, um, that, uh, stigma sure. that comes with addiction, you know? And I've struggled with that too. I've, I've, a lot of times I've been involved in things and, and people would look at me like, oh, well, he's an addict. He can't do that, you know. And usually when that happens, I show them that I can do it and I can do it yeah. better than they do. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, we ended up moving uh, from Michigan to here after I got out of prison. Um, I don't remember when, a long, long time ago. Um, and we lived here for a while doing the same stuff. You know, I've always... Like I said, ever since I was 18, I, I, I always tried to stay clean, but I was never doing anything to help me stay clean, and I didn't understand that process. Yeah. Um, so in 2009, we separated. I moved home to Michigan. She stayed here in Ohio. Um, and I went to my first AA meeting. I, I, I was thinking about shooting myself again. I actually had a loaded gun in my hand, um, and I couldn't do that to my mom. Uh, so I made a phone call, and this whole crusty guy showed up, and... Uh, to get you get your butt in the car we're gonna go to a meeting and i'm like what meeting he said just get in the car um and he spent a lot of time with me uh we went to an AA meeting um i like AA. it, it works very well it's got a it's got a good history behind it um you know if you do all the things that are suggested and you keep doing them chances are pretty good you're going to stay sober mm -hmm. but you have to keep doing them and that's where i've failed and relapsed a couple of times you know since uh since I, I guess I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself again. I got sober in 2009. Six months after I was sober, I came back. She saw something she liked. Uh, and said, why don't you stay? And from that point on, I went to a meeting almost every day for the next eight and a half years. Wow. And so I stayed sober for nine years total. Um, and, and the reason I relapsed is because I stopped being in connection with the people that are like me because those people understand more about me than anybody else would because they've walked in my shoes and then they've been where I'm at, you know, and I, and they, that accountability, they probably can notice. They can call you on it in a heartbeat, yeah. you know, and, and, and I have people in my life doing that. Um, what happened is my, my, my sponsor who was Victor, his name was Victor Castle, great man, uh, passed away. <clears throat> he got sick and he passed away and I didn't get another sponsor. I was like, I don't, I've been sober I'm doing long. good. It's been a long I, time. I've been sober long enough. I don't, I don't need no more help. I, I got this. 
you know, and, and the problem was I stopped doing all those things that were necessary to stay sober, you know, and I'm not saying that AA works better than anything or NA works better than anything. But it's intentional. But it's there and you're doing what you're doing and it's keeping you sober and, and it does work. Yeah. I mean, so in that, nine years, in that nine years of sobriety, I decided I wanted to be a drug and alcohol counselor. Mm-hmm. So I went to Stark State. I signed up. This is what I got to know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I spent three years at Stark State. Uh, I was on the president's list every semester. Um, so for all those people that thought I was dumb or stupid or called me that, this was more of a, I'm going to show you how dumb I am um, because that's who I am. <laughs> but, and that, I relapsed and messed up my financial aid. Um so I've got, I think, five courses left. I've got my CDCA, um, and I've worked with a lot of addicts. I've lost some very important people that I've worked really hard with, um, trying to help them yeah. maintain sobriety. Uh, you know, and that's really hard. You know, when, when you're seeing somebody putting forth the effort to stay sober and, and, and clean and they're doing all these things to do it, and then all of a sudden they overdose and they're not there anymore, you know, because it, anymore, it's, it's, it's that one time. And I mean, that literally, it's that one time. I know somebody that went out, they relapsed in one night, and they OD'd that night. And for listeners, the reason that is, is because your body builds up tolerance yes. if you're using all the time. So you're really at risk when you come out of rehab, when you come out of jail. Because you haven't had it in your system for a while, and your system, if you put it in your system, your system's going to buck you. And you think like, oh, this is what I used to do. You know right, what I mean? There, right. There's definitely that piece that yeah. goes, well, oh, this yeah. is what I've always and, done, and, you know? You so know you're- and, and I know where a lot of those people are at. I mean, uh, you know, it's like, you can't tell me anything. I'm not going to die. I'm, I'm invincible, you know, because that's the way we get as addicts. We, yeah. you're not gonna, I'm not going to get hurt. And if I do, who's going to care, you know? And guess what? I care. Yeah. And so I'm making an effort to finish getting my license. Um, I'm, I actually, I was talking to my brother about uh, becoming a recovery coach, taking a course that they've got up there and becoming awesome. a recovery coach because I've been out for a while. Yeah. Um, I haven't been in the coalition for a while, uh, which actually was fabulous. Um, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Um, I met you, I think at the fairgrounds. Yeah, actually we did. Uh, a good, County a Fair. good many years ago, the babies, my, my kids were itty bitty. Yeah, mine were too. And, um, <laughs> we connected, we connected yeah. and we connected right away. Um, and you took me under your wing and mentored me for a long time. And I learned a lot and I did a lot of stuff with you, a lot of trainings, a lot of things that I think can be used now to combat what's going on in our community. I truly believe that. And I believe that everything that the coalition is doing now, because they're they're doing the right things. They're trying to reach the right people. They're trying to put help where help needs to be. They're trying to put hope and faith into the community, you know, because really if we're going to fight this front, then we need to be able to match it. Yeah. Um, And that means that we, anywhere possible to put a resource, we put it. Because if it's not there when that addict reaches out, guess what's going to happen? They're either going to die or they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. So we have to be able to be there for them when they're ready. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my message to anybody that's that's out there struggling with this is, you know, it's worth it. 
it truly is worth it. Sobriety is an amazing, amazing thing. You know, I, I, I'm not the guy that's going to shove meetings down anybody's throat. I'm not the guy that's going to shove faith down anybody's throat. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you that if, when I'm sober, my life is really good. And even on my bad days, it's better than any day I had while I was using. So, That's so you know, awesome to hear. It's it's so I've 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 relapsed twice. I, I this is my I've been sober fifteen, coming up on sixteen months, um, and it's different this time. Um, I'm gonna talk about God for a minute because my mom got sick. Um, it's pretty good chance that she's dying of cancer. And I'm put in that place to help take care of her. But while I'm there, I decided, well, I'm just going to start going to my brother's church because me and my brother used to use together. And, and now he's a pastor and he's been clean six years and he goes into the prisons um, and talks with clients. Yeah. He's got a state working. He's working through the state of Michigan. Um, and just something's been happening. Uh, not something. God has been happening. I mean, you know, I, I the day we talked... Uh, when I was in Michigan, yeah. you know, you were going to text me that day and I actually called you that yeah, day. Yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, you've got that. Um, then the video thing uh, that's coming up that I'm going to be doing, yeah. um, which is just sharing my story with the hopes that maybe I can reach somebody and offer them a little bit of hope because it's truly all we have to offer is some hope, you know, because it's possible. Anything's possible, uh, especially if you got God on your side. Yep. Um, and I've, I've fought that. But, you know, every... When I said I was 18, some things happened when I shot myself that I can guarantee you right now, 100%, that there is a God. Hmm. There's no question in my mind about it. I can picture it to this day. I have an angel that was looking out for me. And, you know, ever since then, there's just been little things that come along with churches or like Lisa. Yeah. You know, she chased me around trying to get me to fix her phone. She could actually <laughs> fix herself, but she just wanted to get closer to me. Um, so, you know, and I miss her. I haven't seen her in a while. Um, but great place. So, church, the open door is a wonderful yeah. church. Um, so, anyway, you know, it's, it's it, all these little signs, even music, songs. Um, you know, he's speaking to me. And he's telling me, now's the time. Yeah. You know, now is the time. You were created for a purpose. I, I was made yeah. to help people get through what I went through. Yeah. That is my sole purpose. And, and you've done some great things. Um, it, it's kind of fun knowing you and interviewing. Rich has worked with Anita Davis yeah, and I've gone into schools for years. Yes. Um, but one of the neat things from my perspective is you invested a lot in learning and growing, whether it's education on that prevention front end for the coalition, um, really working on recovery as well. So kind of, Richard has this nice continuum, um, <laughs> which is really neat because, you know, the coalition sits on that prevention side, right? but there's nothing better than to have someone that's kind of lived through life experiences say, Hey, you know, this is what I was missing. This is what I needed. This would have right. helped. You know what I mean? And, and, so, and that's what it's about. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, my collaboration. You know me. Yeah. You can come to me with those questions. You know, yeah. if, if you've got questions about that, you know you can ask yeah. me. And, and I'm going to be there. And yes, 
I have been going to the schools with Anita Davis um, since 2013 when the lady that she was taking to the schools passed away. And she was someone you knew well, right? I worked with Jennifer quite a while. Yeah. Um, I was on vacation. Actually, I was <laughs> renewing my wedding anniversary, um, and I got the phone call that she had passed away. And it's, it's unfortunate. And, you know, there's that stigma that went with that because she had um, been turned away at a stack care facility. And uh, if they would have just given her a simple antibiotic, she had a bacterial infection around her heart. Simple antibiotic would have fixed it. Yeah. You know, but unfortunately, we live in a society that wants to label. And, you know, that's where we make the mistake. Let's, let's stop labeling people as addicts and as bad people. They're good people that do bad things. Yeah. Hey, Richard, for our listeners, I think addiction's hard for people to understand. If they, they don't know someone, they haven't walked with someone through this. Right. I heard a lot of themes. You know, I've heard you were raised into a lot of chaos. There was a lot of trauma. Clearly, substances were used to self-medicate. I'm, I know there's some mental health stuff going on there as well, but there's also themes about addiction. Um, whether it's, it's I mean, a choice even, or yeah. you know, those types of things. Look, if I had a choice not to do the things that I was doing, do you think I would have kept going down a path? I went down, think about it. Some of the stuff that I've been through in my life has been pretty life altering. Yeah. And, to, and I don't know anybody that's just like choosing to step out in front of a car because it's coming down the road. You when, know? when people that don't understand addiction keep saying, why do you keep doing it? I, I mean, my firm belief is that it's genetic. I truly believe that. But the reason I keep doing it is because I'm an addict. I, I have an addictive personality. I have an addictive behavior. And if I get on something, I cannot stop. Once I start, I've, and I've proved this theory so many times throughout my life, if I pick up one drink, never in my life have I not been able to say, hey, I'll, I'll deny that second drink. You know, it just happens. And, and I believe... It's not only genetic. I, I think it's, you know, it's in the mind as well. It's, 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 it's an all over, you know, you're either an addict or you're not. And, and you know, I, like I said, none of us choose to do the things we do. Sure. We really don't. If there's family members that have an addict in their life and, and they desperately want them to get help, what do you say to them? Don't try to force it on them. Okay. Um, talk to them. Love them. Offer them hope and keep offering them hope. Don't give up. Don't turn them away. Don't put them down. Don't make them feel bad because they're already there. Yeah, if, if we're active addicts, we are, our self-esteem and, and, and all that is already in the trash can. So, I mean, you know, if you come to me, well, you're just doing this again. You're an addict. and No, 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 no. Try, I, I firmly believe in the love approach. I mean, love somebody till they can love themselves, yeah. you know. And it's been done. With no to me. other agenda. Just no, no other agenda. And that's the whole thing. You can't come at them with sideways with, you know, you're going to do this or you're going to do that or you need to do that. You know, try a different approach. Try to ask them about things. Suggesting things is fine, but don't don't be so in your face about it. You know, just casual conversation about it. Because the more you push against somebody that's addicted, the more they're going to run and they're going to keep doing what they're doing. Because I'm sure it's scary, too, to try to think about being sober or getting sober. Or- it's, it's extremely scary. You've been, I was so used to the substances filling that void that I've always had in my life. You know, and, and the substances, they, they, they filled that void. And to be without 
any alcohol or drugs in my system and have to deal with all the emotions and the feelings and, and, and the, the attitudes and just everything. Trying to do that in sobriety is a struggle, but you know what? I always keep telling myself I'm worth it. Absolutely. And I think that that's the bottom line. And, and no matter what anybody out there says, they don't know me. Yeah. You know, they've not walked in my shoes. They've not been down this path. And, you know, I'm probably one of the most loving people I, I know. I do. Yeah, I, I love people and, and, and I love to help people. And, you know, just because just because I'm addicted to a substance doesn't make me a bad person. And I really have to, to run that home because people, it's like, it's a choice and, and you're just an addict. And, you know, the, that negative stuff that I see in news feeds all the time. Um, you know, let's let's stop that. One of the things that I think I see, everyone I, no, I can't, can't say everyone, but I think people in recovery are probably the most loving, forgiving, accepting people, you know. Do you, do you think that's I, I would fairly tend to, accurate? I would tend to agree with you. There's a couple of buttheads, but not too many. Um, most of us are, you know, we, we just wanted to be loved to begin with. Yeah. And I think that that's a lot of the cases, you know, we just want to be loved. We want to be accepted. Um, I was just sharing with Josh, who, who records our podcast. The last couple of weeks, I've been going to a recovery group because there's a, one in town and they said, hey, check check out the content right, and stuff. Right. And I came home last night and I told my family, I love my recovery group. And, <laughs> and they were kind of laughing because I yeah. don't struggle with addiction, but I just... That feeling. L- yeah. Like... It feels that like there's a spot that it there's feels... There's something about... You're, you're pretty real. I mean, yeah. when you're in a recovery group or with people. You're raw. You know, if it's a good group, you're raw. And everyone you know? kind of knows if you're. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got yeah. a pretense going on. Or, oh, yeah. You people know, can, I mean? you know you, you, when you're in recovery, you, you get people around you that, that you trust. Yeah. That you learn to love. And they can see when something's wrong. So even if you're not seeing it, they are. And yeah. that's important. That's really important that people, um, they can point out to me. You know, if they see something going on with my attitude or, or what I'm not doing, like missing yeah. a meeting here or missing a meeting there, or, you know, uh, I'm angry or, you know, irritable or discontent, yeah. and, you know, one of them things, um, it's, it's uh, you know, they can call you on all that yeah. stuff. They can point it out to you because I can hold up a mirror, but I'm only going to see what I think I see. Yeah. If somebody else holds that mirror up and tells me what's in that mirror, then I can work on it, you know, because there's a lot of work when you get into recovery. I mean, it's not, it's not, oh, gee, I'm going to go to a meeting and stay sober the rest of my life. No. And you mentioned working in recovery steps. Yes. What, tell people just a little bit about what that means. You know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous 12-step program, there's 12 steps, um, and they're designed to help you get and stay sober. But in the process of doing that, they also look at, you know, your faults, uh, your positives. Um, they they basically look at everything, and they walk you through this process of doing the steps. And, and at the end of that, um, the hopes is that you're going to be able to carry that message back to another person that's struggling. Yeah. And that's the whole idea. Not you need to get outside of yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you know, if, if I'm in here, I'm in trouble. You know, I like to stay busy. Yeah, <laughs> I really do. Um, but AA, it's, it's been a lifesaver for me. I mean, there's with COVID going on, um, there's a lot of meetings that are not happening. And, and I think so that, we've seen the result of this. Isolation uh, is not good. No, it's not for any addicts. 
there's just isolation is not a good thing. We need to come up with a better solution. Yeah. You know, um, Zoom meetings are great, but we're addicts. We need that personal one-on-one contact with another human being that can call us out. Yeah. You know, and if that's not happening, then, you know, we're, we're going backwards in time. Sure. And we're going to relapse. I mean, I, isolation, I used to love isolation because then I could just do whatever you want to yeah, bury myself in the drugs and the alcohol and not have to worry about anybody judging or, you know, whatever. Um, now I don't like isolation. I don't like being alone. Yeah. Um, it's just not a good place for me to be. I mean, I'm comfortable with it. You know, I, I, um, I said recently, last three months, I've been up, up at my mom. She was diagnosed, probably has cancer. Um, they're saying anyway. She's losing a lot of blood internally, so I'm up there taking care of her. And, and out back, there's like 486 acres of nothing but woods and rivers and streams. And, you know, I can go out there and just be, it's like I can be in heaven. I mean, yeah. you know, I feed the deer and they come in and, and there's things like that. That kind of stuff, that aloneness, that's the kind that's of That's a peaceful one. That I can do. But in a but small if you room just with a TV Sit me in a house with a TV or... No, no, I need to be working on me and I need to be doing that all the time, you know, and I need to be able to catch myself as well um, when I'm making some mistakes. Yeah. Um, Because it's been proven. I had nine years clean and relapsed and I relapsed because I was making mistakes. Yeah. And I wasn't hearing what other people wanted to say to me. Yeah. So, you know, it's. uh, So for people, relapse can happen. It It it, does. It happens. But you know what? You just don't stop. Yeah. And just because you relapse doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You you pick up the pieces and you get back up off your butt and you trudge forward, yep. you know, with your head down. Just move, you know, don't stop stopping. Um, because I've relapsed several times in my life and, you know, they became further and further and further apart yeah, now. That's cool. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen again, but I can't tell you what tomorrow brings. You know, I really can't. Yeah. What I can tell you is today, if I keep doing what I'm doing, I'm going to be able to stay sober. Relapse happens. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It doesn't mean that you have to go after somebody and bash them because they relapse. Because sure. the last thing they need when they relapse is to hear somebody giving them a hard time about them relapsing. Yeah. Because the guilt that comes with that and the shame that comes with that's a very heavy burden to, to, to carry. Yeah. And to have somebody come after you, you know, uh, sideways about that is it's just not helpful. Yeah. Well, tell you what, I know we've gone for a little while, um, but honestly, we probably could talk for another hour. I know that. I'm, sure I'm looking we could. at Josh. I'm like, man, we probably could take this into two episodes. <laughs> You're saying to go. Um, we can go one of two ways, Richard. We can wrap it up here and you can kind of tell our listeners what you'd like them, just any final things they could do if there's people in their life or if they're struggling themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, or we can talk some more. So what- I got a video to shoot. Okay. So. You have to do. <laughs> Anything, yeah. For our listeners, we have some really neat um, efforts coming up. Um, Rich is going to be in our Hope Sunday video, which will be coming up in September. Um, and that's a neat video, again, helping our churches, our church members, just, again, understand addiction. And our role as community members on loving on people, understanding this, and to know, man, there is not one person on this earth that was not created with a God-given purpose. And, and we need to understand that. We need to love on people yes. and do life together and... um 
We all make mistakes. We do. You know, they yeah, just look human. different. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so. I guess if, I'm a, if I've got to find a word to say is, you know, if you're out there and you're struggling, um, know that you can get clean. I've seen it happen many times over. I've done it myself, and, and I'm hoping that after sharing my story that maybe uh, your takeaway from this can be, you know, if he can do it, maybe I can do it too. You know, and if you can do it, then maybe you can help somebody else do it, and we can start to um, start to defeat this, this this demon that's been in our community way too long. Um, I'm tired of getting up in the morning and, and seeing rest in peace on somebody's Facebook wall. Um, there's no call for it. Um, there is a solution. Uh, have a little faith, get to a program, put the drugs and the alcohol down. It's not as hard as you think it is. It truly gets better and it gets better almost, almost immediately. And life is good, right? Yeah, it is good. I got, uh, well, I didn't even talk. Grandbabies. How'd you know? <laughs> I have two grandchildren now and I'm in their lives and I am the, I am their world. Um, as soon as either one of them sees me, their face lights up and I give them my big hug and, you know, I... Wow. That's fun. Yeah, to Life be a part good. of that. Life is good. Life is really good. Um, there's struggles. There's definitely struggles. I, I struggle with depression still. Um, there's a lot of things I struggle with. And the bottom line is that I think if I get stronger in my faith, I, I, I believe that that's going to help with that situation. I truly do because, you know, I put a lot of work in on that yeah. over the years. And so there is a solution. There is an answer. And Ask life doesn't, help. life is not easy for anybody, yeah. you I know? Mean, yeah. And if, if there's somebody out there, you don't want to call up somebody at a place or you don't want to call a facility, call me. So just so you know, if you want to get a hold of Richard, just someone that really cares about people, understands addiction, reach out to the Anti-Drug Coalition, ask for Jody, and I can connect you with Richard. And Richard is back and forth before in Michigan, but also, you know, there's a lot of ways we can plug you yeah. in with a person as opposed to a meeting or an organization, if that's where you want to start. Because like you said, sometimes you just need to know someone cares exactly. before you're willing to take that next step. Sure and, you do. Sure and there's a do. lot of people that care. That Yeah. Yeah. We all, we love all of you. So, you know, we can, we can love you too. You can love yourself. Amen. Well, listen, I really thank you for joining us, our listeners, and Richard. Thank you for having me. I love having you here. <laughs> I Honestly, I love you sharing your story. It's a rough one. Uh, it's a beautiful one, though, too. It's okay. It, it really it's, it's, is. It's finally come full circle. So. It has. Yeah. So, very fun. Thanks. So, thanks, Richard. Thanks, uh, listeners. See you guys. We'll <laughs> talk to you next week. For listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.